hello and welcome to Are You Still Watching? I'm Irene. And I'm Emily. Yes. I nailed that. <laughs> you did. <laughs> and why are we here, Emily? How about you tell these people? Uh, well, this podcast started because we were both kind of, you know, dabbling in like the podcast world and Irene wanted a co-host and so... <laughs> We were just talking and chatting about it and um, anyway, we thought of this idea and so what we've been doing is we are watching a random Netflix top 10 pick in Australia. Uh, we use a random number generator to generate our random number and then it dictates what we watch that week and then we're just going to have a yarn about it. Yeah. So, you win some, you lose some. Some weeks you oh. get something you want to watch, and others you get something you really don't. But it's, it's yeah. good. It's good. Yeah. So, what were we watching this week? We watched Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> and I was less than jazzed about it. Let's be very clear. Uh, yeah. So, I'll... <clears throat> I'll start with, like, I'm still jazzed that it was Star Trek, right? Like, I still feel like that was an awesome sort of, like, funny thing, really, because you were so unimpressed with the choice. Yes. But I'm a bit sad because I actually think there are better places to start in Star Trek. Like I'm so glad you're saying that. I walked that. out of this one going, I'm actually quite sad that that was the one that Emily got, got exposed to. Yes. Well, I am... Um... I didn't love it. I'm just going right. to be very yeah, clear about yeah. that. I had zero context. I didn't know why these people were flying around the galaxy. I didn't know where they come from, why the bad guys didn't like the other guys. I was just really... It wasn't a great viewing experience for me. <laughs> it's so funny. I, like... You've, yeah, there is so much context that if you don't have it, you're yeah. just sitting there watching the whole piece going, I, I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. I think I watched about the first 10 minutes yeah. and then I watched the rest at about, you know, 1.5, two times speed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure that would have improved things. <laughs> it was quite amusing, actually. <laughs> um, oh, you know, and... I may or may not have, like, got to some bits. I'm like, oh, well, you guys are just chatting about this thing. I might just skip 15 <laughs> seconds here and there. Um, it was a very loose viewing experience for me. I like your commitment <laughs> to the cause. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose you could say technically I watched, yeah, let's go, 97% of it. <laughs> With about 70% of it viewed at two times speed, which was quite amusing. So, like, that was probably the only enjoyment I actually got out of the entire experience. Like, that sort of walked <laughs> double time. <laughs> it was actually quite funny because there was this point where this chick... And I can't even remember her name. I feel like her name was number one, but then she had another name. And then I couldn't understand why they didn't just use the same name. Oh, there's Trekkies out there sitting there right now going, Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know, number one, the chick that got in the Yeah, yeah, no, we'll thing. talk about her more in a second, but yeah. yes, yes. So she was, like, floating around space, but the conversation she was having was quite fast. I'm like, man, she's... And she was floating quite fast. Yeah. It was quite... I really enjoyed watching it, but um, <laughs> I, I was just... I did go back and watch it, and it was so much more boring, just her, like, gently floating, like... You know, reporting a note back here and there, and yeah, I didn't. 
So it was meant to be like a big, profound, central moment in this episode. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's actually talk about the episode. Like, I'll. You'll I'll have walk to do the yeah, synopsis yeah. because yeah. I will not do well. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I took notes. They're not great notes, but they're good notes. No. They're not great notes, but they're good notes. <laughs> well, no, I should say, they're not great notes, but they're notes. <laughs> oh, yes, okay. Okay, <clears throat> so for anyone who hasn't watched Star Trek Discovery, uh, we should stop for a second and say there will be spoilers. Oh, We're yeah. going to be pretty comprehensive in our discussion around the first episode of the series. Well, Irene will be fairly yeah, comprehensive yeah, yeah, yeah. in her, her <laughs> discussion about the episode, and I'll just tell you the bits that I didn't love. So if you're, if you're keen to see the series without any spoilers, we'd say go now and come back yeah. after you've watched the episode. Uh, at least then you'll have context for our discussion yeah if if not then just hang around it might be a laugh <laughs> and if you if you already know it and love it please don't hate us too much um <laughs> well i think you only included that bit for me because <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah okay yeah <laughs> it might come out in the conversation yeah i was gonna say i don't know two podcasts in if i can get hate mail but i feel like <laughs> if there's any time in my life now it is yeah, now yeah. is it now is the time <laughs> Okay, so the episode opened with a Klingon, uh, like, warrior drumming up, you know, sort of the, the fire in his troops with a speech yep. that was filled with passion. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And he, um, he revealed that the Klingons are wanting to unite the 24 houses in order to launch a war against the Federation, basically. See, you say all that. I watched it and I didn't understand that. <laughs> what are the 24 houses? Honestly, I don't know. This was actually oh, well, a revelation good. to me as well. Okay. Apparently, so as I took it from the episode, right, apparently the Klingon political structure is like essentially 24 <clears throat> almost aristocratic families right. that really rule there, you know, like their would you call it a race race yeah, yeah right yeah and as i understood it they've been dispersed and probably you know having wars amongst themselves for a while mm. and this guy wants to unite them so he wants to bring them together with a common enemy and the common enemy being the federation uh, which is like, that's the flying people yes in the ship <laughs> <Yeah>. the people <laughs> The people of the ship. <laughs> the people of the ship belong to a, a thing called Starfleet. Starfleet is the, like, you know, exploration and space, you know, fairing arm of the Federation. And the Federation is made right. up of a lot of different uh, races or, you know, alien are they cultures all that have all come together. Are people? Or are they people yep. on, like, a planet... Like us. <laughs> context. Great. So the Federation, the Federation is made up of planets basically that have oh, come right. together and formed, you know, an alliance and they have a common space fleet. But they're Star not on fleet. planets that we would recognise. Yeah, as yeah. Planets. So Earth is one of the planets. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Earth, like so so the humans in this episode, there's a good guess that they came from Earth. 
then oh. there's the ones who look like aliens who are from alien planets. So there's you would have seen the ones with the pointy ears in the episode. Oh yeah, I've yeah, seen those people. They're <laughs> called Vulcans. And right, they're from right. a planet that's called Vulcan, quite unimaginatively. Yeah. This all makes so much more sense now. <laughs> Why didn't we do this before I watched it? <laughs> That's great. So, oh. so any, any Trekkie coming to this series with like a history of the franchise knows that the Klingons have had like a love-hate relationship with the Federation for forever. Like, so at right. times in the universal timeline, like in the timeline of this... <clears throat> this fictional universe the Klingons have been friends with and allies with the Federation but at other times they've been the bitterest of enemies right yeah right see yeah I would never yeah I mean the the fact that you weren't sure that there were planets involved (laughs) in the Starfleet sort of the fact that you thought there might just be like a floating flotilla of like space folk in ships like that that, is all that reveals everything (laughs) that you know about this series right there I was gonna say everything I know about this series is what I watched at two times speed and sometimes skipped that's all the knowledge I've got in the world so like all the emotional beats that are like relying on your being a fan just would have totally lost oh like, totally people. lost on me i was oh, <laughs> i was not the target audience for this well but i mean it's interesting right because it shows like i mean it's not your genre either right so no. like yeah it, it, it had a really hard road if mm-hmm. it wanted to like win you over but it oh, shows how little yes. it was even trying right that you've walked not out of even. it like, <laughs> totally unsure about these things yeah okay. i had no concept of what was happening <laughs> yeah okay so anyway, so we start off with the the Klingons, like, you know, essentially, uh, you know, trying to go to war. And then we cut to um, a desert planet where there's two women walking along. There is Captain Giorgio, who's the older woman. who Yes, yes. she was in Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. I recognise her. <laughs> and that was another point of enjoyment for me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know you from somewhere else. <laughs> I, I liked her. I actually thought she was... She was exceptionally well cast, and I actually really enjoyed her presence in the whole thing. I agree. Yeah. Uh, And with her is Commander Michael Burnham, who is her number one, which basically means that she is her second in command. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's why why you thought her name was number Number one. Number one. And then... Because then I was like, oh, I see. They just grow up on this ship. They don't give them names. They just give them numbers. <laughs> um, yeah. So the fact that she called him Michael after the episode was just well, lost on you? I didn't understand that. <laughs> you were like, who is this Michael? Male name. That's number one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's fantastic. There was, yeah, there was definitely holes in my viewing experience. <laughs> And so now slowly being filled slowly in. Being filled. <laughs> yeah. So they're on this desert planet because there's been some sort of cosmic event, as I understand it. Something shifted in the like plates of the planet, and the water table has no like yeah. disappeared or whatever. So they're they're basically there. I don't know. I actually, uh, yeah. I didn't love this opening because you're meant to believe a few things, right? Like that they've beamed down to this planet to save. Uh, these random species from yeah Yeah. these species from death by dehydration basically Mm. but they've come down just before this like super storm hits 
And yeah. if the superstorm hits them, then they'll be stuck there for like 89 years, is what you're meant to believe, right? That's... Yeah, see, I I didn't catch on to the like stuck for 89 years thing. I like, when they were walking along yeah. and, you know, they, you know, let the shot the thing so there was water and <laughs> everything was fine. Um, I didn't get that if they got stuck. There. <laughs> well, I mean, I seen the storm as being a bad thing. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. registered that, <laughs> but I didn't see. I didn't understand that if it was going to be like an eighty-nine year walk yeah. in a sandstorm. Yeah. Um, no, well, so that that's what you're meant to understand. You're meant to understand that if this storm hits and they're still there, then they'll be stuck there for a very long time, mm. which which I didn't buy. Like, something yeah. about it just didn't work for me, really. Mm. Uh, it felt like a false sense of urgency was being drummed up by this storm on their heels, right? And mm. then there's the fact that, like, to solve the water crisis, they rocked up to a single dry well pew, pew. in the middle of, like, a desert. Mm. And then they, like, literally just shot a single, like, phaser bolt down the well. Yeah, I thought it was and, two. Well, maybe two. Maybe they <laughs> shot two. Yeah. But either way, like, like, is a whole planet going to be saved by a single well that is, like... Yeah, yeah okay. You know. I, yeah, I kind of get that. But also, <laughs> I did not get that. <laughs> anyway, I just was left sitting there going, it's lovely that you've given these people water somehow by the magic of, like, firing, you know lasers into yeah a deep well see i didn't but... understand what the technology was like and how it would actually impact it because when she fired the first one i was like well that didn't work yeah. <laughs> and then she goes again and i'm like and there was a huge Still delay. didn't seem like I, it's working i think the delay was meant to like imply that it had a long way to travel and it went like all the way down oh, and like into the like the very cracked whatever depth that thing was that was like belly of this planet and yeah, yeah, exploded yeah. the yeah, yeah. Water. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But anyway, so so that's what's going on in that scene. <laughs> and then they um so they discover that their comms aren't working, of course. So oh. they can't contact the ship and just yeah. be like, We're done guys, get us out of here. And so you I'm know, gonna say something. Beam me up, Scotty! Yes! Is that a thing? <laughs> You're in the right yes! You're in the right franchise! <laughs> Is Scotty on the ship? No! no. <laughs> Didn't think he would be. <laughs> Scotty, Scotty was the engineer from the original Star Trek ship. Right. The right. The one my mum's watching. <laughs> okay. No, I'm, I'm slowly piecing it together. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. So they couldn't just pick up a com and be like, hey, come grab us, right? Yeah. And so Giorgio and Burnham have like a minor argument about what to do next, but Giorgio wins and sort of like she she basically sort of heads off without telling Burnham what she's doing and then just wanders them around the desert for a little bit and like yep. Burnham's sort of like, I'm Where so confused. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. And Giorgio think... just sort of cryptically is like, you'll see. Just yeah. follow me. <laughs> yeah. And there was a moment there and I thought like, I actually got the humour in this. <laughs> she goes something like, huh, well, what would you do if you were trapped on a desert island for like however many years? Actually, now this is making a lot more sense. Eighty-nine years. Yeah. And then she goes, Well, I'd escape, of course. And then they're just kind of like wandering around. And then they get back and she goes, There are our footprints. We walked in a circle. 
And Giorgio's like, not quite a circle. No. And that's when you see the starship come down mm. and pick them up. Mm. And then as the starship leaves, you realise that what they've drawn in the sand is the Starfleet symbol. Which oh. is like a sort of like triangle with like... See, I thought they were... <laughs> You're going to think this is ridiculous, but I... Th- didn't understand that that was the Starfleet symbol. I just thought that they'd drawn a big arrow in the sand and stood at the end to say, we're here. This is where we are. Come and get us. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So. No, that's the Starfleet that symbol. That was completely lost on me. But then she says, I drew a star. I'm like, no, you didn't. That's an arrow. (laughs) Why did you draw an arrow if you wanted to draw a star? (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Anyway, you'll see, like, their badges were all that symbol and stuff as well. Mm. Um, But, yeah, so then the ship comes down and the credits start to roll, like, as in the the opening credits start to roll, Mm. which I thought were beautiful. Like, I actually think my favourite part of this whole episode was those opening credits. I really enjoyed them. Well, I did the classic Netflix and skipped intro, so... (laughs) It was so nice! (laughs) Well, I'll go back and watch it now. You said it's so beautiful. No, I mean, you don't have to, but, like, I thought they were really nice. (laughs) Well, I don't think I remember them. Mm. Maybe. What was mm. what was in them? What mm, lots of schematics of starships and things like that. Oh no, I did say that. Sorry, I thought yeah. that I'd missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's just not your thing. Uh, it's okay. just not. <clears throat> I didn't find it as you know hauntingly beautiful as you did. But <laughs> you don't yeah. have the context. <laughs> I don't have the context, guys. <laughs> so I should mention that in the conversation while they were on the desert planet, you did you did find out that Michael Burnham had been on the starship. I'm going to mispronounce this, but Shenzo, Shenzo, for seven years and is a xenoanthropologist as well as the second in command. Uh, yes. Yes. Mm. Which means that she studies alien cultures. I'm glad you explained that to me. I, yeah, there is a part there where she goes, oh, well, you know, um, what would you do if you're stranded or, yeah. you know, on a random place or something? She goes, well, you know, I'm a xenoanthropologist and I would, like, make friends with the culture and do the thing. Meet the locals. And meet the locals. <laughs> and, you know, and that's when Giorgio makes the crack. Well, I'd escape. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So xeno means alien, basically. And anthropologist, obviously, means someone who studies old things. Culture. <laughs> <laughs> Historians study old things. (laughs) Anthropologists study cultures. Okay. I mean, it could be old cultures. And I'll be wrong and someone will say, you're wrong. They don't study cultures. See, I I really enjoy watching Bones. So, you know, sometimes she studies new bones, sometimes she studies old bones. (laughs) Fair enough. I, I was interested, just as a minor aside, that the starship was called Shenzhou. I fully thought it was called Discovery for, like, long enough to be confused by the whole deal. So often, it's not called Discovery. It's not called Discovery, right? The one that's in this one. The one that's in this one is not called Discovery, right? Uh. That's confusing, right? Like, you go from, like, Star Trek Enterprise, where the ship is called Enterprise, and the show is called Enterprise, uh. to Star Trek Discovery, and the ship is called... Shenzhou or something. I think it, I think it's Chinese in origin or something similar. But <clears throat> I was a bit confused. Anyway, I'm glad on. I wasn't the only one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so next we cut to them. It felt like sometime later. Like, they were basically in an asteroid field scanning a damaged, like, relay. I think it was like a communications relay or something uh, that had been hurt by something other than an asteroid. So I think, like, the strong implication was that there was some communications relay piece of technology out there and, um, and something had damaged it. Uh, there just happened to be a big asteroid field there as well, and in the distance you can see a binary star system, which was quite beautiful. And it got pointed out several times how beautiful it was by the writers. So, you mm. know, good, oh, yes. good thing that the CGI sort of team managed to actually pull that one off, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, look at those really dull and ugly and not sparkly stars. Man. That's right. Oh, how beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't have that. <laughs> That's right. Um... And so they're scanning this asteroid field, um, I think, to try and figure out what has damaged the relay. Uh, and they find a thing hidden in the asteroid field mm. that they can't actually get a good scan on for uh, a few reasons. Like Some kind of, I'm going to say, shield or field or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's like a distortion field essentially yeah. around it that is like really making their signals bounce off it and so they're just getting like garbage data back really mm. when they're like trying to scan it which would you know i suppose just indicate that there's something there that they don't want you to know or like yeah. there's some kind of thing there that is going a bit yeah. covert and yeah exactly. maybe we should investigate that exactly and they can't figure out whether it's like a natural phenomenon that is like stopping them from seeing it because there's an awful lot of debris in this like asteroid field it could mm. just be that it's sort of like buried in amongst something and there's some natural thing that's blocking the view mm. but there's also that chance that it's not natural that it's like you know manufactured you know um and it's at this point as well that we're introduced to lieutenant saru who is Essentially, the second second in command. So he's like the one ah, just number below. Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's he's the chief science officer and number two on the ship, basically. And he's the tall one that sort of had like the big alien sort of face. Uh, the orange one. Yeah. Well, like orangey, like creamy yeah, kind of. Yeah, like yeah, but like Maybe. big ridges. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so we have we meet Le Lieutenant Sarah at this point as well. And we find out that he and Michael Burnham have a fairly fractious relationship. <clears throat> they don't really get on with one another. Uh, he finds Burnham too aggressive and she finds him, dare I, I don't know. I got the impression she found him a bit of a wet rag. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, they have quite the argument about how much they should probe into this mysterious object that they have found. Uh, he thinks that they probably shouldn't look, they probably shouldn't be here anyway and they should probably leave right now. Mm. Uh, she's like, no, let me get closer. And Giorgio sort of is like, we do not have a shuttle that we can send you out in. Mm. We just, we're not kitted out with the right technology to take a closer look at this thing right now. And Michael Burnham is like, no, just give me a thruster pack and I can do it, right? Like, oh, yes, the yeah, spacesuit. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. And, um, and I was, I, I wrote here that like the reasoning feels weak. Like, 
I could sort of see what Michael was saying, like Burnham was saying when she was like, we, we can't come all this way and find something mysterious only to like turn around and leave it behind and go back, you know. But mm. at the same time, I was like, you know, you could do that. Like, that's, that's yeah. an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's do the like potentially dangerous thing and whatever. Well, and, 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 you know, don't worry this, about everyone else on the ship. They made this strong point about the fact that like, 20 minutes in just a thruster suit out exposed to the radiation from a binary star system would literally start unspooling Burnham's DNA. So they're like, they're really like clear on, you know, if you do this and you're out there a minute too long, the consequences death. Yeah. Right. Like, and I was like, I do not like, like I can see that she sort of was saying, look, you know, we're meant to be about discovery and finding new things and exploring the unknown. Like, but I was like, like when the, when the, you know, when the consequence of something going wrong is death, right? Mm. Like, like checking out that one mystery spot on the monitor doesn't quite feel I was gonna n- say, as necessary. <laughs> when the stakes are high and you, you know, 20 minutes, that's not long to no. get out to an unknown space thing, yeah. check it out, yeah. you know, maybe, yeah. you know, take some samples, do some whatever. Yeah. And then, like, shoot on back to the old Yeah, yeah, spaceship. go back to the ship, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I was like, yeah, what are you going to find out that's meaningful in 20 minutes anyway? Much like you, it's not much time. You get out there, you have a look, mm. you turn around, you have to go back. Like, I know. You know. It's hardly even worth it. And so I was like, I was like, eh, I'm not feeling you really. Uh, I feel like at this point, if the writers had, like, just thrown in, like, an extra little thing, like a... Uh, a mysterious signal also coming from that mm. sector of space or something yeah. like it would be like Ooh, oh there's something glowing over there yeah i don't know exactly exactly huh, was that an alien i don't know yeah but yeah was that someone I don't else's know. ship i don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know whether if there had been like oh look there's a like shimmering green lu- green luminescence over there we better go and check that out i would have been like hmm yep that seems like the kind of thing you check out <laughs> i don't know if i would have done that but you know yeah. yep no i think so but for you like yeah. You know, you need to be intrigued a little bit more. I mean, I was already a hope. Like, I was already a lost cause. You're like, yeah. I don't even know why they're in space. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. Born there? <laughs> yep. Where so did they come just, from? They just spend their lives flying around. What are they Ooh. even doing? <laughs> that was the other thing I was going to ask. Do they just float around or do they, like, go and come home again? They Is it like. Again. But how long? But like, how far away is home, though? <clears throat> well, they have faster than light travel, right? So yeah. they can get very far away from home. So there's there's been entire like uh, sort of spin-offs that right. have relied on the fact that it can take a very long time to get home if you end up very far away from like your galactic yeah, core. Right. Uh, but but generally, like we're talking, it's like they're, they're scientific expeditions. Like if you think sort of back in the old times where like Ooh, people old, kitted up. <laughs> old things. Where people <laughs> kitted up sort of these expeditions to Antarctica or the Arctic uh, or something. So they might go for a couple of weeks or whatever. Well, years. Think more years, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like, you know. If they survive that long. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, well, I mean... Birkin Wills. That's true in both. <laughs> I was gonna say Birkin Wills. They didn't get that far. <laughs> just, just up. Yep. So, so like I think, you know, the the range of these missions can vary. In in true Star Trek, like in sort of the original version of Star Trek, it was largely about discovery, right? Like, and that's why this new 
season, as I understand it, is called Discovery because it sort of goes back to that route where Starfleet's sort of mission is one of exploration and, you know, exploring new sectors of the universe and finding things. And they sort of, you know, like they're, they're out there as scientists, essentially, sort of observing and trying to find out um, what's out there, you know. They're not, they're not going out either as military for a war and they're not all, they're also not going out to sort of like expand the empire or subjugate new peoples. Mm. So they have this thing called the prime directive where if they find a culture that is not yet mature enough to join Starfleet that's sort of, you know, still in its infancy, they just flag it and move th- on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're not meant to go down there and talk to them and expose them to this wide you know, mm. crazy world of space flight and things like that. Mm. And so, so yeah, so if you can sort of imagine, like, they're a crew of people who've been given sort of, like, really great training. They're sent out there for two to five years, and then they go home for a while and, you know... Yeah, so again. Yeah. when I was thinking, do they, you know, go and go home again? I was thinking more like a day trip. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Thinking, they pretty much live on the ship for a while, right? Which right. is why the crew sort of has the structure it does with a cup captain and you know first in command and all that sort of stuff and there's sort of there's a slight military flavor to everything that they do Mm. because if something goes wrong the consequence is death right like Mm. you know yeah um i had another thing i was going to say but i forgot what it was no clearly not important cool moving on so (laughs) so yeah so michael burnham takes this thruster suit and does her, like, weave and bob through the asteroid field. It was very funny at two times speed. I'm just putting it out there for anyone listening. If you want a good time, play at two times speed. Two times speed. So yeah. anyway, so she she approaches the thing, and as she gets closer to it, all of her comms start, or stop working, basically, mm-hmm. uh, because whatever filter is preventing the Shenzhou from seeing that thing is also preventing it from talking to her and seeing her properly. Mm. And she ends up close to it and she discovers that it's like this big, almost sculpture, uh, just floating in space. Like, it's mm. enormous. It's like some... It was pretty cool. Yeah, galactic civilization decided to build a monument to, you know, some unknown god or something. Mm. And so she's sort of floating around, having a closer look at it, Um really pushing the limits of her time Mm. uh so you sort of have these these flashbacks sort of not flashbacks like cutbacks to the ship and people on the ship and they're like she's got x many minutes left like Mm. you know and she's like clearly just pushing gonna push her luck as far as she can Mm. um but no sooner has she sort of landed on the thing to try and take some samples than it starts moving and she's like "Ooh, it's reacted to my presence but as it turns out, it probably hasn't reacted to her presence. What's happened is that a Klingon has also landed on the thing and is trying to do something to set it off. Uh. <clears throat> and anyway, she takes one look at this Klingon and then like I'm fully expecting them to have this like throwdown fight and for her to have to be struggling to get away in time because obviously there's this clock counting down and if she doesn't yep. get away she's but, passed out in the suit, they yeah, have to come out and grab exactly, her, they're like, We need to save her. I'm expecting this like big sort of like minutes of tension as they sort of like race she races against time to try and no, it's not like that. She just sets off his thrusters, kills the the guy somehow like I think she like pushes his own blade through his stomach or something and then it's done and then she's just floating out into space like 
in terms of whoever directed that particular struggle, it it looked way too easy. It just fizzed a bit. It just fizzed. Yeah. <laughs> that was my general feeling. Uh, and then and then you cut to the Klingon ship again. So she's floating away into space, just bobbing gently. Uh, her suit a little bit damaged by everything but like still clearly alive and you cut to the Klingon ship <clears throat> clearly a little bit in the future it seems that the Klingons have somehow super sneakily made it out to the sculpture to gather up the body of their lost friend and then back to their own ship somehow you know mm. I mean super sneaky super fast Klingons mm. clearly and they're <laughs> conducting a burial uh, and they like put their fallen comrade in the bear in the coffin and then they raise the coffin up and then they put the coffin on the outside of the ship because that's not a super morbid thing to do mm. and they made a point before they closed the lid of the coffin of opening the eyes of the dead Klingon and mm. so the implication is that their ship is just covered in coffins that are filled with past Klingons with their eyes open observing the like clear you know like vindictive sort of you know like fight that the Klingons are righteously bringing down on the Federation so there's like some sort of cultural something going on there right so do the Klingons have a planet the Klingons have a planet but maybe the Klingons also planets. have a ship yes you, you should, yes <laughs> so do all the planets have ships or just the ones that have ships <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, gay. So, <laughs> so, so the thing that they were in, or yeah. like the place they were gathered, was a yeah. ship. Yeah, it was a ship. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, see, like, that, that's how little they went out of their way to try and, like, explain things to someone like you. Wow. Yeah, so, yes, the, the right. place they were in was a ship. And the way, the way it works see, I is didn't just, get like, imagine, imagine that Earth was a spacefaring culture, right? Like, that mm. we were able to, like you know, get to Mars and back in a day or whatever, right? Like, yeah, right? yeah. And then we went out there and we found a half dozen other cultures just like us and decided to become a federation, right? Right. And then we happened to decide, hey, look, let's build a UN of the space, right? Like, yes. you know, where we're... And then so that this UN makes sense built to me. ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, um... so not only do the, like, individual sort of planets have their own sort of technology and probably right. like probably dockyards building ships and all of this sort of stuff there's also a sort of like federated body that of is ships. also yeah like you yeah. know got its own fleet which is the starfleet <laughs> yeah yeah okay no 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 we're good making sense yeah, yeah. no we're good, <laughs> good. <laughs> um so yeah so they were on a ship when all that happened and where they yeah, put that see, coffin was that. on the outside of the ship yeah, so that right. so their fallen comrade could observe the like right. you know fight they were about to have. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Did they say something about a torchbearer? I don't. Know. I didn't that understand was, why that was significant. That's the next one. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah, and that that actually that's mm, yeah. Okay. So then we come to a really strange flashback. So instead of cutting back straight to you know michael burnham on the shenzo we cut back to the past where there's a very young looking 
girl who looks just like Michael does, right? Oh. Um, who is clearly Michael from the past, who's like standing in, and you will have had no context for this. I was going to say, I didn't like, even get that it was young Michael. <laughs> that would have been so confusing. This so, whole thing was so confusing. Yeah. I cannot make that any clearer. <laughs> young, Michael, young Michael is obviously on Vulcan, which you'd recognise if you were a committed Trekkie. Uh, and she's yeah. in one of the Vulcan schools, which is like oh, long the, bangs and yes, weird haircuts. Yes, and all the pupils like stand in these in like these little, little pod pods. Yeah, yeah. yeah being See, I was terribly confused by all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just really confused by the whole thing. And uh, then the guy that was talking to her looked really familiar to me too. I didn't know who the actor was, but I thought I'd seen them from somewhere else. <laughs> I have no idea. He didn't look familiar <laughs> to me at all, but. But he's Sarek, so his name's Sarek. And I don't know if there's actually any connection, but Sarek is, like, the brother of Spock. Spock being, like, the most famous Vulcan. <laughs> oh. Yeah, see, the only things that I actually really know about Star yeah. Trek are yeah. from Big Bang Theory. And children love, love Spock. Spock. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And so, yeah. so, anyway, it's revealed in this scene that Michael Burnham... Uh, probably has some history with a place called Doctori Alpha because in the middle of this lesson, this computer decides to start quizzing her on the survivors of an attack on Doctori Alpha. Now, I'm assuming that the Klingons were the ones responsible for that attack, but if that was actually mm. mentioned, I missed it. Yeah. But anyway, she's getting asked these questions by the computer and she's having an emotional meltdown because, you know... Clearly she was a survivor of the attack and she can't bear hearing about it anymore. And then that's when Sarek rocks up and is like, you puny human, how do you let emotion rule you, right? Because, like, that's the Vulcan thing. The Vulcan thing is that they're pure beings of logic or that's what they aspire to be, right? Like, Mm. they they disdain emotion and Mm. emotional reactions to things. They're just a bunch of Sheldons. They're just... And that's why (laughs) Sheldon loves Spock so much. (laughs) Yeah. See... I cottoned onto that too, but I didn't understand how, like, I didn't understand that that was Michael as a young person. Yes. I didn't understand why this person that clearly didn't come from this place was there. I didn't understand, like, I thought, oh, well, you know, she's getting emotional about that because clearly she's got some kind of emotional connection to those events and she's having a bit of a freak out. I got that. Yeah, just this weird, like, little pocket moment in the episode where you're like, never come back to those characters. They just do their thing. (laughs) Yeah, but, and I didn't know about Spock's brother. I, like, I just, I mean, it's not clear. It it actually isn't clear why she was on Vulcan because it would be quite unusual for a human child to be educated on Vulcan that way. I I took it that she was probably rescued from Dr. Alpha by the Vulcans and they couldn't find like an easy carer to just fob her off on. So they ended Mm. up looking after her for a while. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't like, I thought that she also might've been prisoner. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know if they were, like, good guys or bad guys. Yeah. I didn't even know they were Vulcans. Yeah. I couldn't, <laughs> I did, like, I know that Sheldon <laughs> loves Spock, but I don't actually 100% know that I know that what Spock looks like, <laughs> or could identify anybody that came from the same place as Spock. Funky haircut with bangs and, like, pointy ears. And pointy ears, yeah. yeah. Except yeah. that Spock is in... The blue uniform. 
Yeah, he's a member like, of Starfleet. He doesn't look like the other guy. Yeah, because he's a member of Starfleet. Yes. Yeah. This is all so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> this is the problem. <laughs> to further make things confusing, there's actually also constant references to this fact that the Klingons haven't been seen or encountered for about a hundred years. So the Federation mm. has just been having this sort of like uneasy truce with them because they basically haven't been around to fight with, right? Mm. But then we have Michael with this like you got to go. Well, no, but this history with the, like, uh... with the Klingons, obviously, on Doctor Alpha, right? And so I'm like, are you telling me Michael's 100 years old? Oh. Or is this, like, one event with Klingons that happened in the much more recent past and everyone's still just saying, oh, well, we haven't seen them for 100 years, despite the fact we only saw them 20 years ago? Like, Is the place that got attacked part of the Federation? I don't know. I assumed so. That was, a, that was a bit of an assumption on my part, maybe. I, I can't recall. I'd have to go back and rewatch. Right. Yeah. Because I suppose, like, if the Federation weren't in communication with those other people, yeah. then they wouldn't know that they've encountered Klingons, right? Maybe. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, clearly we won't figure it out in a single <laughs> But anyway, so, so that was a bit confusing to me, but I just rolled with it. Um... And that's when sort of Michael wakes up and she's clearly still injured. She's sort of in this like medical device that looks like a big MRI and it's obviously she's got some knitting her like DNA back together because she was She's out got some there pretty good scabs, long. hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know. She's melting her face off. Those consequences were coming to bite her. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, and she wakes up with sort of a gasp and is like, oh, you know, got to run to the bridge and like, you know, so she gets up and she pulls on just a sort of like... I don't know, was it a towel or a jacket or something, uh, a dressing gown? I don't know. I don't even know. Just anyway, some random piece of yeah. something. So she runs to the bridge and she sort of is like, you know, bursts in on, on all of the, you know, activity happening there. And Giorgio turns around and is like, what are you doing out of sick bay? And Your DNA is on yeah. as we speak. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. No, she couldn't see it leaving her body, but it was happening. It was. It yeah. was. And Michael's like just looking around at this bridge where like normal things are happening and is like, why aren't you guys like freaking out? Absolutely, you know, DEFCON, whatever the highest DEFCON is right now. Like, five? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Is five like low or. I've got no idea. Yeah. It just sounded yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so she's she's like, you know, guys, so, there's Klingons out there. We have to be like. Red alert, red, red alert. alert, red alert. And Giorgio's like, uh. Klingons? That's the first I've heard of Klingons. And Michael's like, but but didn't you see from my suit's feed that I was attacked by a Klingon on the uh, thing, right? Like, like my suit was filming everything that happened. Yeah. And Giorgio's like, everything was sort of damaged. It's corrupted. When, when we picked you up, we couldn't actually get any meaningful data, right? So they've Bum just been like for the last three hours, you know, just... You know, cruising, cruising along, along, doing the thing as usual. Yeah. And so Michael's like, okay, no, there's Klingons out there. And Georgie's like, eh, we haven't seen Klingons in a hundred years. And like, Doesn't everyone else on the bridge is like, eh, we haven't seen Klingons for a hundred years. And Michael sort of turns to Georgie and is like, haven't I proved myself to you? <laughs> or something like I'm that. I'm here, my DNA is on spool because I'm talking to you. I'm clearly not well enough to be standing here and yet I thought it was important, so listen to me, <laughs> goddammit. And then and then everyone on the bridge is looking at Giorgio 
this is almost the best point in the movie, right? Because everyone's looking at Giorgio and like, you need to tell this woman that she needs to go back to sick bay. She's clearly down. Oh it yeah, was just oh a yeah, don't forget. Of, you know. She's got a concussion. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Let's get a fainting count for the lady. Like exactly, eighteen like hundred. Exactly. And Giorgio like just fully dismisses them and turns around and is like. Red alert, everyone. <laughs> and then they're like, ooh, red alert. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, and so that was sort of cool. I liked that moment. Uh, and it's at exactly that moment, almost as though the Klingon ship had, like, literal cameras in the bridge of the Shenzo, because it's literally at that moment that the Klingon ship, like, disturbingly close, uncloaks itself. Uh, now don't ask me how the Klingon ship like knew that that was the moment to reveal itself, but it did, and mm. and you know it was nice for Michael. She was immediately vindicated and proven right. You know there are Klingons in this area of space. They look right there, literally like mm-hmm. looked like you know hundred meters away. Um, and then the ship like sat there and proceeded to do nothing. Like no lasers, no, nothing, no danger, just nothing. like and so. Giorgio's like hailing it and like trying to get a response from it and nothing's happening. Like, I don't know why it uncloaked itself, except to maybe like the, the writers were like, eh, we well, somehow need to prove Burnham right right now. Like, you know. She needs a bit of justification. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> she needs to be, you we'll know. Just, we'll just magically have the Klingons know this is the right time to hit uncloak. I bet you it's that one Klingon that's name's like Fred or something. He's a bit dodgy and he's, you know, <laughs> just like, oh, I accidentally... You know, hit the unlock yeah, yeah, button, whoops, like, whoops. oops. <laughs> yep. So anyway, so then you cut to the Klingon ship. And on the ship, the um, it turns out that the person who died was this person called the Torchbearer, which is that thing you were talking about uh, earlier. And yeah, the, I got that confused. The leader is like, you know, our Torchbearer is dead. We're going to have to find someone else to be the Torchbearer. And he's like, who in this room is the heir to what's his name? I've forgotten his name. Anyway, so he's like, who in this room is the heir? And then a guy quite sheepishly from the back is like, I was his younger brother. And then he like pretty much just lowers his hand and doesn't say anything else because he clearly hopes that like... They find someone else. <laughs> they find someone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually sort of funny. And then, and then the like lead is like, well, then you must be our torchbearer. And then the guy's like, I think that you're a good man and I really believe in what you say, but... No, in fact, he just goes, I think you're a good man and I really believe in what you say. And then the leader's like, but... (laughs) (laughs) But I don't really feel like being a torchbearer. (laughs) Well, I think it was that. But he also said something along the lines of, do you truly think that the 24 houses will come just because someone goes out there into space and lights a beacon that, you know, was prophesied to be lit prior to the Great War where everyone unites and, like, fights, you know? Like, do you Mm. truly think that Klingons will band together for a fable or something like that Mm. because apparently there's some prophecy that if whatever that sculpture is is set off all the Klingons will unite and fight alongside one another in like some great war and the leader's like yes yes I think this is really true like you know everyone will unite um but you're not really given a good reason for for that it's just you know so do we reckon that the guy that was on the sculpture was the torchbearer he was 100% right and so it just so happened that old mate was floating around in space at the same time Uh, and accidentally on purposely killed him yeah yeah Yeah. so the implication was that he happened to be there at the same time but they don't know that that's what they're doing 
No, so yeah. so the Starfleet people don't know that that's what the Klingons are doing. Mm. They don't even know. They just think it's some big monolith statue thing. Right. So they don't space. understand the significance of it at all. Not at all. No. Just that it's a thing and it's floating and they yeah, checked yeah. it out and yeah. now and now there happens to be a Klingon Klingons out the window. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. So, so anyway, this this younger brother of the torchbearer refuses to basically take up the mantle, and then this like almost albino-looking Klingon appears from the mix, and is like, "I will take it up. I am called Vok or something like that." And the the leader's like, "And who are you?" No, I think Vok even volunteered. I am the son of none. And the leader was like, "Well, then you can't do it because you don't have the pedigree." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, you were that guy's brother, yeah, we might think about it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You're not one of the twenty four, so don't even think about it. And then Vok, as though it somehow proved something, like stuck his hand in the fire and was like, "I believe in you and your thing," and then like just held his hand there, like. Look at me, I'm so tough. I can light a fire. Well, I can withstand a fire. You yes. Know. My hand is melting. I was going to say, just give me this hand. I'll like go out there right now and light it on fire. And it's just, it was, it was weird. It was a weird moment. I was like, what are we trying to prove? Like, are we trying to prove that our skin is extra thick or like, you know, how, how does this work? But anyway, it worked. Whatever it did, it worked. And the leader was like, yes, and now you have proven that you are strong. You will become our torchbearer. And it gives him a sword. And the brother was like, thank God, because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and then we cut back to the ship. Uh, and clearly Michael must have gone back to the sick bay for a while because all of her wounds have magically just disappeared. Yep. Yep. Uh, I thought that was strange, but I'm like, well, clearly you've got some good uh, old healing powers. But if I had blisters like that on my face, I do not think that I would be looking that good not that long afterwards. No, exactly. Uh, and so then there's like some debate on the ship around what should be done next. So like Saru is the the lieutenant, the second lieutenant, is like, we should run away. And everyone's like, sorry, you've been saying that since the start. Like, you know, what makes you think we're going to start listening to you now? Mm. And then he, like, corners Michael and is like, Michael, um, your planet... He said something weird. He said, your planet might have food chains, but mine does not. It just has predator and prey. And my people were prey. And I was like, so does that mean that your people didn't eat anything? Because the only way you can't have a food chain is if one part of the food chain doesn't actually eat food. Like, you know, you have a predator mm. and then you have a prey and that prey just does nothing. Otherwise, it's a food chain. <laughs> if, the prey, if the prey eats food, you've got a chain. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a weird, it was a weird comment. I was unconvinced. Anyway, basically all he was like trying to say was I evolved with this like super good sense of dangerous situations and when death is coming. So are we... But what yeah. if... Oh no, it still doesn't work. <laughs> I was going to say, if he's the prey then... Everything's part of a food chain. Yeah. Like, you know, amoebas are part of the food chain, yeah, and they exactly. literally do nothing. <laughs> Things that photosynthesize are part of the food chain. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah, it, it was a weird comment. I was sort of like, that's such a, I just, I, I don't know what you're getting at here, but like, yeah. a rock is not part of the food <laughs> chain. So, so like an inert, you know, inanimate object. 
like, yeah. that's not part of a food chain. I mean, unless you pick up the rock and hit the prey on the head with it. That is the only state at which a rock becomes a part of the process of being on the food chain. Process, exactly. It helps it's, with the food chain. I was going to say, it's still very far away right. from the actual food chain. Exactly. It's so crazy. maybe he just grew up with lots of pet rocks. Yeah. Or, or like... Maybe he's secretly an animated rock. Doesn't need anything. Just uh, walks around waiting for some prey to like... Yes, a rock in disguise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so he has this weird conversation and Michael's like, no, we must like stay or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, it gets very strange. Uh, and I think Michael, I think Michael's sort of like is advocating that they that they uh, fight the Klingons, essentially. Mm. Or that they, at the very least, have a sort of, like, proactively defensive stance. Like, that they're mm. ready to fight. Um, and definitely that they don't leave. And it's at about this time, I've written down, that, like, the torchbearer obviously gets to the beacon. And it just goes, boom, and, like, lights up the sky, like, with such intensity that all of the windows of the Shenzhou just flood with white light, right? Because, mm. like, they cannot actually filter out that light and actually see what's beyond it. Um, and, mm. yeah, and then, like, noise starts up because obviously the device out there is resonating to make this sort of, like, huge energy appear and, like, the ship itself is sort of vibrating in sympathy with it or something like that. And... Um, and Shenzo's even more like, we need to, you know, get out of here. Uh, and um, Michael Burnham's like, no, we've got to stay. And I think that Giorgio's a little bit sort of, she appears to be a bit on the fence, right? Like, mm. but, but probably committed to staying overall. Mm. And then, um, then a, a weird thing happens where like, Michael Burnham decides this is the moment that she'll call her friend Sarek. And so she goes into a room and she calls Sarek. And Sarek just appears and they have like a nice little chat. Hmm. And it's clear, so she has called him to ask him how did the Vulcans, um, how were the Vulcans able to have peace with the Klingons? Mm. So there's this sort of idea that the Vulcan culture and the Klingon culture have been at war for a very long time. And yet there has been this truce for a while mm. where they haven't fought one another. And Sarek sort of says something to her, like, you don't actually see what he says to her, but you do hear him say afterwards, you know, be careful with how you use this knowledge, right? Mm. Which, of course, means she immediately runs out. And, and uses like, the knowledge And uses poorly. the knowledge poorly, exactly. <laughs> and so she runs out and she says to Giorgio, you must fire on the Klingon ship. And Giorgio's like, well, that's a stupid idea, because it is. Mm. Uh, and I mean, they're not actively trying no, to hurt they're them. Just they're just there. chilling. Like, bizarrely close and, like, weirdly uncloaked. Anyway, so, so Giorgio's like, no, that's stupid. And Sarah's like, we should still leave. Uh, and, <laughs> and Michael's like, no, no, you must shoot the ship. And Giorgio's like, why would I do that? And Michael gets, like, really, like, loud and angry. And Giorgio's like, can't have this on my bridge. And drags her, like, out to the ready room. Uh, mm. Where she sort of turns to Michael and is like, what is going on here? You need to just calm down. I cannot have that insubordination on my bridge. Like, there is no good reason to be firing on the Klingon ship right now. 
At which point Michael's like, but that's how the Vulcans did it. And so, I don't know if she said it there or she just said it earlier, actually. But anyway, at some point Michael's like, but that's how the Vulcans did it. Like, they won the respect of the Klingons by, like, shooting first, you know, because they had this one run-in and they let their ship get shot and a bunch of people died and they... They learn quickly, so then every time they saw a Klingon from there on in, they basically shot first. And eventually the Klingons were like, ooh, you, you race speak our language of violence, we respect you, sort of is the idea, right? Mm. And, so, and so somehow, in Michael's mind, that has translated into, if we shoot first, they'll go away or something? I don't know. There's a weird... I, I sort of sat there and I was like, clearly... What the Vulcan was describing is a prolonged process of the Klingons learning that the Vulcans like shot first every time they met. That could take a hundred years to build up that kind of thing. You're just going to make one random ship in a random spot where you're not meant to be very angry and they're going to chase you. (laughs) Exactly. It's like hitting a bear with a stick. Of course the bear's going to chase you. Exactly. And so Giorgio is like rightly sceptical of this plan. And at this point, like, uh, Michael does like what's called a Vulcan nerve pinch where she like grabs Giorgio by the neck and then like makes her faint basically just there and then. It's a sort of very famous move from the... The series. Didn't get that either. No, I thought you wouldn't. <laughs> anyway, so then Michael goes out and, like, basically tries to be like, right, now we're going to fire on the ship, like, ready the weapons, you know. And Saru's like, where's the captain? <laughs> <laughs> you killed her, haven't you? Michael's, Michael's like, the captain's telling the Admiral some fr- something. <laughs> and so, and so she's like, get those weapons ready and, and fire. And just as she's like, commanding them to fire. Giorgio's like, belay that order and comes storming out, you know, obviously having woken up from the nerve pinch and, um, and, you know, clearly making everyone unhappy. And Michael's like, no, we must fire. And Giorgio's like, no, we cannot. And then, you know, before things can get that much worse, uh, the light from the beacon disappears and... A bunch of Klingon ships appear in space around them, summoned by the beacon. So the light disappears. Darn tootin'. And the ships appear. And there's a a hot minute where, like, people on the Shenzo are like... Well, this there's a great. bunch of no, well, there's a hot minute where they're like, there's a bunch of like interstellar sort of like ships dropping out of subspace or whatever. Like, are they our fleet backup finally coming to help us? Right? And did they call like, for backup? They did. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, I, I missed that I too. Missed that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but no, it's a bunch of Klingons, and that's where the episode closes. On that cliffhanger. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> How are you going to get out of this one? So uh, yeah. So that's the episode. Overall, look, I love science fiction, right? Like, put something Mm. in space with spaceships and aliens, and I'm probably going to enjoy it slightly more than it deserves. (laughs) I even enjoyed... There's this horrible series on Netflix called Another Life, Mm. which literally has, I think, about 8% on Rotten Tomatoes, right? And I genuinely was pleased when I found that it got a second season. I was like, yes! (laughs) (laughs) I'm so in it for this train wreck. Oh, no. I like like science fiction enough that I'm just about willing 
to like watch the worst the thing the ever invented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in order to get some good sci-fi, right? Oh no! But even I felt this episode didn't quite hit the mark. Like for all the reasons we've described, like the the start on the desert planet felt like manufactured urgency. I didn't see how like shooting a gun would solve a problem with the water table. There's the fact that you know you end up in space and you know. Michael's so insistent to do this flyby despite the fact she only has a 20 minute window and she's probably going to kill herself just looking at like what could you know feasibly be at that point a boring space rock like and then you have like the Klingons being like bizarrely I don't know like the Klingons actually were the most on on point part of the whole show like the Klingons canonically just want to fight you like mm. that is their whole purpose in life <laughs> and so nothing they did was a surprise They're a bit like Vikings <laughs> yep yeah. pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, yeah no overall I was I was not that impressed like you know I was sort of like yeah, I sort of I I'm even of two minds as to whether to continue watching, right? Like Ooh, I'm like I did not see I, that coming. Do I watch the rest of this yes. series? Watch the so. worst sci-fi series yeah. ever invented and was pleased for a second <laughs> season, but won't invest another second in a series that has lots of context that you've experienced. I know. It's shocking. Know. I I did not see that coming. Well, I think there are a few things going on. I think like look I liked Michael, but I didn't love her. Mm-hmm. There was something about her that just didn't totally grab me. And I think it was her sort of like weird combativeness, right? Mm. Like, you know, lots of people... I think she's just in a like, she's a 2IC, she's been there for a long time. I think mm-hmm. she's keen to get her own, you know. Yeah, command, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just don't think she wants to be... Giorgio's 2IC anymore. Yeah, no, I think... She wants to be... Well, if she's already number one, she'd have to be number zero. Yeah. But, like, (laughs) it makes, like... Because you two would say, like, oh, yeah, I would be number one, not number two. But she is number one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, no, she wants to be captain. That's what she wants. She wants to, like, get out of the ranks and actually sit sit in the commander's chair sort of thing. Maybe it's just, like, a really dodgy plan to get kicked out of this command. And then they're like, oh, what? You've got... You've got the skills, so we're just going to, like, instead of putting you and making some other captain really annoyed, we're just going to give you your own. (laughs) No, but Giorgio straight up says on the desert planet, I think it's time you have your own ship, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't think it's that. I think think she's... I think what you're meant to take away from it, right, is that she suffered this trauma as a child that has lived with her Um. ever since and made her really blind to anything involving the Klingons, which mm. is why she couldn't hear logic, you know, mm. during the the actual sort of combative sequence. And weirdly, that was okay, but her combativeness earlier than that, and, and particularly actually, like, she she was not nice to Saru. Like, that mm. weirdly affected me. I was like, it, it's like watching... It's like watching anyone who is fairly forceful in terms of their personality just, like, walk over someone who's a little bit more quiet and mm. soft-spoken, right? Like, mm. it's, a, it's the sort of reason why, like, forceful alpha males being mean to women in an office is a horrible thing to watch happening, right? Like, mm. obviously the genders were flipped here and, mm. like, you know, we're talking, you know, a woman basically treading all over an alien. Uh, but 
But it had that sort of feel to it. I was like, no, 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 just because he speaks more softly doesn't mean that what he has to say isn't worth listening to. Mm. And I was just, so I, yeah, she sort of caught me on the back foot. I wasn't, like, I didn't super love her. Mm. And I mean, like, I suppose the other thing is that even though he was softly spoken, he did say run away from the start. Yeah. And when you get to the end, it seems like run away was, was the right answer. Was the right right. answer. It was the best option. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I suppose I didn't buy into the idea that he was just a coward, right? Like, um, you know, all, I was gonna all the say, being a coward was a problem, right? Like, mm. you know. I was going to say, I'd be the scaredy cat in space. I've got no Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I walked away from this episode being a little bit like, oh... I wish, I wish Emily had had another one. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much better episodes out there. But Mm. yeah, it was what it was. So anyway, how would you rate it at the end of the day? (laughs) Out of 10. Honestly. Okay. Well, I mean, I suppose purely as a viewer experience, I had so little context, as you have all now just discovered. Yes, why do the space people not do a nine to five day? <laughs> Are they going home at the end? Where do they come what? from? Why do the space people not do a nine to five day? Yes, I love that. Um, so you know, oh. I had such a pure and like honestly, the only thing that I knew about Star Trek was that Sheldon watches it. <laughs> Spock is Sheldon's main guy. And that Will Wheaton was in Star Trek some time ago. True. That's all I've got. True. <laughs> That's all I'm working with. But, like, yeah, I didn't love it. Yeah. I didn't love it. I didn't feel even minorly compelled to get into it. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't any parts where I was like, I'll invest in you as a character because I really like your vibe. The only person I really felt that for was Giorgio. Yeah. Because I'd seen her in something else. I was like, oh yeah, she's pretty chill. Like, she's a great actor. I really loved her in this other thing. Um, And now I can watch it. But I couldn't even do that. I, yeah, I didn't. Okay, come on. I didn't connect with it. What's what's the number? Give it a number. Just be brutal. Oh, I can't. It's killing (laughs) me. Just be brutal. Well, like, I don't feel if like my number. you give more than four, I will be like, I'll just tell you, Emily, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a lie. I yeah, didn't, yeah. I watched it at two times speed and skipped yeah. most of it. Like, What's your number? Oh, uh, it'd have to be... Like, technically mm. it was competent. The lighting was okay and the CGI oh, was beautiful. I was so, gonna like, say, maybe give it was... one point for that. <laughs> I'll give it one point for CGI and one point for lighting. Yeah, good. Nice. <laughs> but the the rest of it, I just, I couldn't. <laughs> I just couldn't. So I would have to, I'll give it a, you know, just a half point as well for good measure. So we'll just go two and a half. But I just, <laughs> I don't like giving it a two and a half. Because, like, if I had more context... Maybe I would have enjoyed it more, but I don't. No, Once you again, just, you just gotta work with what you got, right? Yeah. Like, no, you just gotta work with what you got. Yeah. I'd give it. I'd give it like six out of ten. It wasn't the worst mm. sci-fi I've ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> but like you, I didn't like. I didn't have a character where I was like, oh yeah, you know, I didn't love that find vibe. them super relatable. Which 
I mean, look, sci-fi shows have come back from that in the past for me, right? Like, so I, like, one of my all-time favourite sci-fi series is called Battlestar Galactica. And I can remember watching the miniseries way back when it first aired on TV because it started with, like, this big two-part miniseries. Right. And I can remember being like, everyone in this show is horrible. I do not enjoy this. But then, like, it would be, like, hands down close to my number one favourite, like hard science fiction show. Yeah, right. Yeah. See, when you said Battlestar Galactica, I was like, oh yeah. And then I thought, is that another Star Trek thing? <laughs> <laughs> At the risk of being thrown out of your house. It's not <laughs> Star Trek. But it's something similar. It's Yeah, it's a different franchise. It, A little like Star Trek, it had its roots sort of like way back when and they did like an early sort of run of television that was much beloved by the people sort of a thing and then it just fizzled away and then it got rebooted into this sort of like slightly edgier more modern piece yeah 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 in fact it it had like a major overhaul and is like totally different like some very minor plot points stayed the same but it's like totally different so it wouldn't have been a tragedy if you hadn't watched the tv thing oh you could like sorry the mini series so that oh, was separate yeah. so that actually that was part of the new series the new oh. series started with like a big two-part mini series and then season one sort of oh, like just right. continued on from that mm-hmm. um but yeah it's not it's one of those ones where it's not a tragedy if you haven't seen the original the first thing take on it yeah yeah mm. um arguably star trek's the same like you can you know like if you haven't seen the original star trek you can sort of get into the franchise and enjoy it but the original like star trek all of the star trek franchises until the most recent movies were spin-offs and extensions of that original story um, whereas in battlestar galactica what they actually just did re- was they brand. rebooted it yeah. yeah so it was a total reboot whereas in star trek a reboot didn't happen until the the movie with like Christopher Pine and Zachary Quinto. See, so you say these things, and I see your lips moving, but it actually makes zero you sense. You don't know to who me. Christopher Pine is. I know who Christopher oh Pine goodness. is, and I might know who Zachary Quinto is, but I haven't. I couldn't even tell you the name of the movie. If it come up at trivia, it's I would imaginatively Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> yes. It checks out. It See? checks out. <laughs> But yeah, no, so it, it had, like, a major movie reboot um, that's really good, actually. Like, it's it's a movie that would play to someone like you who doesn't have, like... Any context. Any context at all. Yeah, yeah. Except that I don't love sci-fi. But it was... But if it was... <laughs> if it was a genre that I enjoyed, I could go and watch it without any context yeah. and it'd be alright. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably walk out yeah. and not cry. Because yeah. I just wasted two hours of my life. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, See, this is actually 43 minutes that I will never get back. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, because you watched it double time. Okay. It's more like... It's 25 minutes that I'll never get back. I mean, I will... Actually, no. I watched the first 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really trying to get in <laughs> I really diligently watched until about... It must have been just after the Klingons and they were back in the ship. I think I just, it was really probably the the venture out into space the that Klingon, was the real... The Klingon, like, so the, the bit at the start where the Klingon leader is, like, trying to drum up enthusiasm with, like, a grand speech or whatever, mm. um, 
even pre the like desert sequence at the very start, right? Like that mm. was hard going. I honestly, I don't know why. There's something about like the Klingon language. I do is not even like it's slow. It's slow in its pace. So to mm. get like quite a small sentence out can take quite a long time. And yeah. there was a moment where I was sitting there. I was like, Did this when is it ever going to end? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. See, and I'm sure they were committed. I'm sure they got someone to actually translate that script into actual Klingon because they've created Klingon. Klingon I is know. like, you know, Sheldon speaks Klingon. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and then they had the actor learn how to speak it. Yes. And then it was spoken exactly as written. And I like I was like I appreciate your diligence, but it's sort of like actually impeding my enjoyment. <laughs> Yeah. See, I seen the subtitles popping up. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, righto. Subtitles, whatever. Like, I don't understand what you're saying. It just all sounds like words to me. I can't even... You know how sometimes you can identify words in... Like, when you're watching subtitles, you're like, okay, well, that's that word. So that's, like, yeah. you know, part yeah. of that language. And you can, like, you know... Piece things together. Piece things together and kind of yeah. gauge where you're up to in a sentence. I had nothing. Yeah. I was... Like, well, now I'm just going to read the things that I don't quite understand why they're talking about the things. You're a bit scary looking. I'm a bit of a wuss. I was like, well, I hope there's not more scary things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, so I would give it... Have I given it a score yet? Yeah, 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. Did I say that out loud? Or did I just write it down? No, no, you did say it out loud. I think it had its fun moments. I think it had its fun moments. But but overall, yeah, there's better better track. Mm. Yeah. And much better sci-fi. Mm. Cool. So For we're another gonna day. figure out what we're going to do next week. I reckon we should. All right. Man, I hope I get some better luck. And I think the SpongeBob movie is still in the top ten. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will cry. That that I'll watch in two times speed. <laughs> yeah, I I really did try and. I only watched about the first 10 minutes before I realised that I was actually going to really hate the viewing experience, so I decided to stop. So I may or may not have watched it in two or three blocks, because I just couldn't even manage to watch (laughs) 43 minutes straight. Oh, that's fair enough. Okay, so... I'll refresh this so that we've got... Yeah. Fresh. Oh, no, go back here. Um... So what are our options for this week? So number one in Australia today is The Queen's Gambit, which was still number one last week. Nice. Number two, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. That was also number two next week. Last, last week. week. Yeah. Uh, we have Dash and Lily. I'm not sure what they're about, but there's got some um, some Santa hats in there, so maybe Christmassy. Uh, we've got Operation Christmas Drop, which was also in the top ten last week. The Holiday, which is number five, another Christmassy-looking movie. I'm loving the amount of Christmas stuff here. Um, then we have Emily in Paris, which I think was number seven or number eight last week. We have Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, which... I am very, very unsure about what this is, but there's someone painted blue and someone who is not painted blue. So then we have number eight, we have Goldstone. That might look quite a bit like an Australian kind of thing. Yes. In the Australian Outback, an Indigenous cop on a missing persons case unearths a trafficking ring and runs 
afoul of political industrial interests. So then number nine is the Big Bang Theory. So I am keen if it's the Big Bang Theory. I love the Big Bang Theory. And then we have Coco Melon, which Looks oh, like a kids show. It is a kids show. <laughs> so you have to so this is the description. Learn letters, numbers, animal sounds, and more with JJ in this musical series that brings fun times with nursery rhymes for the whole family. <laughs> that would be a good one to get. It'd be a great one to get. I'm a big fan of kids shows. Oh, okay. I'll I was reckon... slightly with tinge of sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. You're like you're just unironic. Oh, That'd be a good I'm... one. I am 100% keen for most things. I was really scared about getting Star Trek last week, but I don't think there's anything here that I would, you know, be adverse to watching. See, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with you. Like, nothing on the list is super exciting, but nothing on the list is, like, yeah, bad either, right? Like, yeah. some of them are more interesting than others. Like, Queen's Gambit, right? Like, I actually am I've sort heard of interested in about that. that. Yeah, and I don't yeah. want to start watching it in case it stays in the top ten for a number of weeks and we and have we to watch it. it and talk yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. All Should right. I roll the dice? Yes, and I'll give you a drum roll. Okay. One! Hey! The Queen's Gambit! It is! The Queen's Gambit, here we come. Oh, so, Queen's Gambit, what is it about? In a 1950s orphanage, a young girl reveals an astonishing talent for chess and begins an unlikely journey to stardom while grappling with addiction. I am very intrigued. It says that it's a limited series and there are only seven episodes, but they are all about an hour. Nice. Well, you only have to watch number one for this. Oh, I might even go... I mean, you can go as far as you want, but like... This looks really cool. So, yep, the episode synopsis is... Sent to an orphanage at age nine, Beth develops an uncanny knack for chess and growing dependence on the green tranquilizers given to the children. Nice. I'm intrigued. Okay. Let's do it. Queen's Gambit. Let's do it. So exciting. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, And thank you to everyone who potentially listens. Yes. It's so weird knowing that we have an audience of exactly zero and closing these out with a thank you for listening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's something very strange about that. But yet, you know, in years to come when we look back at this and we'll go, oh, there was at least... I mean, hopefully our mums will listen, hey. Well, maybe. I might not tell my mum to <laughs> Just in case I drop something and she's like, oh, Brini, I don't want to have that talk. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, uh, I'm i sure I can get one person in my life to listen. Uh, I mean, if we happen to mention the name of the thing in the office, everyone in the office will listen. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they will. Um, okay. Very um, good. Thank you, and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Uh. <laughs>